Well, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another week of The Bible Boys. I'm James. And I'm Pip. I'm thrilled again to be getting into the Bible with you all. Uh, always a highlight of the week for us to uh, catch up and to chat about the Bible and to dig into it. That's right. That's right. And Pip, I've, I've got news. This week, Viv and I worked out where we're going next year for student ministry. It's something we've been thinking about for a few months now. And so for those who don't know, uh, I'm enrolled for more college next year, theological college, going to learn. And during that time, students are encouraged to take up what's called a student minister position at a church somewhere so they can learn while they're serving uh, and interacting with the local community. And so, Pip, you are currently a student minister somewhere. Why don't you tell us a bit about where you're at? Yeah, so I'm at Penrith Anglican, um, which means that uh, from the start of this year, Sophie and I have been helping out running the uh, youth group and helping out preaching occasionally and running a growth group and things like that. And Sophie helps with the kids program and things like that. So um, it's just an opportunity during college to get some hands-on experience and to learn about ministry while you're studying theology. Um, so James, where are you going to be doing student ministry next year? Viv and I will be heading to Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. And so that's pretty close to where college is. And uh, we're looking forward to, to learning uh, while joining that church. Yeah. Nice. So that's, that's, it's nice to know <laughs> after lots of praying and, and discussing about where to go. And, and it's nice to have that certainty there. We also know, though, that we'll, we won't be moving into college accommodation next year. Uh, we're hoping to do so from second year onwards. We're going to stick around here in Carlingford. So even though, you know, Newtown Erskineville uh, Anglican is close to college, um, we won't be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you'll be traveling out there on a Sunday, um, assuming that lockdown is over, which hopefully yes. it will be. Um, that's right. That's right. Yeah, but that's yeah. very exciting. They've landed on a place and that's one more thing that's kind of clear, clearer about next year for you guys. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, no, thank you. And thanks for being someone who, you know, I asked, you know, what are some good things to think about? I, I don't even know if you remember, Pip, I asked you a few months ago and you gave me a list of things and they were all helpful. Okay, that's, uh, I'm glad, I'm glad about that. Yeah, it is, it, it is, um, it, like it's, you know, Soph and I have found it bittersweet moving from our uh, church we grew up in to a completely different church, but that's, uh, I guess that's kind of what you have to do if you want to gain experience in what different kinds of ministry in different areas look like. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's something that you feel like you've really been challenged in or you've learnt this year from being at Penrith? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, uh, the church in Penrith is different to St. Paul's in a number of ways. Um, there's, there's not as many staff, so there's uh, a smaller staff team. The church itself is smaller, just in terms of number of members, um, things like that. It's got, um, it's in a, it's in a different kind of phase to our last few years at St Paul's. Um, at St Paul's, we've just come off the back of finishing a building project, really getting into a new building and stuff like that. They're probably in the process of thinking about a building project, like in the next five, ten years, something like that, maybe. Um, and so, yeah, just a different life stage. Um, yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that I've um, kind of learned from the ministers at Penrith in particular is uh, you need to know your congregation. You need to know where they're at spiritually, uh, 
in terms of uh, their family life. Um, you need to know what their struggles are. You can't just come with a, a blank, like a assumed knowledge of who people are. People change from um, suburb to suburb and, you know, demographics change and things like that. And so mm. um, that's been really helpful. Um, and just the nature of just uh, the grit that they have at Penrith and just like perseverance in the ministry, faithful Bible teaching week in, week out. Um, you know, take it for granted at a place like St. Paul's. It just seems like so much of a, such a clear part of the DNA. Um, but it's good to see that, you know, you go out go out to other churches around the place and that's also um, the DNA at other places. But you see it more kind of from a different angle, like, you know, mm. the the grit of it, the, the week in, week out nature yeah. of perseverance. So Nice. No, thanks for sharing. I do appreciate that. Uh, shifting gears slightly, Viv and I this week we rewatched the old Sam Raimi Spider Man one and two films. Uh, did did you ever watch them back in the day? Is that the one with the cage match? With um... yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> Bone Saw is ready. Yeah, and yeah, uh, is it William Dafoe? As, yes, um, that's yeah. right. Yeah, he played that part well. No one says no to me. Yeah, yeah, good times. So we rewatched it. I spent so many hours rewatching those movies, and my when I was younger, I would watch all the DVD extras twice. Um, I was really into it. Viv's first, well, I think Viv's seen the first one before, um, but many years ago, and we just enjoyed it. She went, you know what, James, you you've said that Spider Man is your favorite superhero. I think I. I think I do understand more now why you like Spider-Man so much. And so I was glad it was goofy. It was, you know, cheesy, but I think it was a good kind of cheesy. You know what I mean? Mm. Where you go, yeah, it's it's a bit cringy if it was released nowadays, but you like it. You, you like what it is. And so I guess, Pip, do you have any um, examples of where, you know, you really enjoyed something when you were younger and you went back to it and you're going, oh, is it going to hold up? Is it going to hold up? And you went, you know what? This does hold up. I'm glad I still. This is still. I can still appreciate this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Every Christmas, The Grinch Jim Carrey, <laughs> holds up every year. That's probably the the movie that comes to mind in that category. Ah, oh, that film gave me nightmares. Do you really? It's just the way the people look with their noses and everything. It was, right. So it yeah. wasn't even The Grinch. It was The Who's. The Who's. Well, The Grinch gave me nightmares as well but the who's particularly because the grinch you know he's green he's a he's a creature you go yeah he looks different but the who's are people who don't quite look like people Mm, mm. yeah and some would say that jim carrey's role as the grinch was what um kind of put him on his path of wokeness in terms of um you know wrestling with the realities of good and evil in the universe uh which he is now kind of known for today and he's philosophizing on uh, twitter and in the media he has gone down a particular philosophical route hasn't he um, yeah much like the grinch <laughs> <laughs> that that's sage you know some some philosophers you don't even need to say their full name because you don't know what their full name is so you've got you know uh, aristotle you've got confucius plato. you've also got plato that's right and add to the pantheon the Grinch. Grinch. Just Grinch. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be quoted for centuries to come, I'm sure. That's it. That's it. 
Um, I, I had a story I wanted to share with you as well about the Spider-Man films that I think you'll find funny. Yeah. When I was in year uh, three, there were these friends at school, you know, so three, you've got a whole bunch of eight-year-olds. There are these friends at school who are really into wrestling, right? Really into wrestling. And so they knew, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, you've got, you know, Hulk Hogan, The Rock, you know, The Undertaker, they, they watched wrestling. Anyway, I was in a conversation with them and they were just talking about wrestling. And you know, when you're in a conversation and you want to fit in, but you totally cannot continue the conversation that they're on about. Mm. Well, I wanted to fit in, but I didn't want to let them know that I don't watch wrestling. And so they turned to me and they went, hey, James, do you like wrestling? And I went, yeah, I love wrestling. I watch it all the time. And I went, okay, phew. And then they said, okay, who's your favorite wrestler? (laughs) And I freaked out. And so I went to the first thing I thought of, which was Spider-Man 1 in the cage match. (laughs) The the wrestler guy's name is Bonesaw McGraw. (laughs) And so I said, oh, my favorite wrestler is Bonesaw McGraw. (laughs) Did they buy it? One of them went, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I don't think I know who that wrestler is. what what matches has he played recently? <laughs> and I said, oh, you know, he fights a bunch of people. Yeah, you should go search him up when you get home. Mm, mm. And I, I never tried to talk to that group again. Yeah, yes. I would have bought it. I mean, I I've no, I know nothing about wrestling, so I, I would have bought it 100%. But, um, Thank you. That's it. Well, Pip, why don't we head into our... F- feature segment we want to do for this week. So listeners, we, we're trying this for a few weeks, seeing how we go with just presenting something. We are the Bible boys. We do get into the Bible. We want to talk about the Bible because we want to talk about the one true living God. And oh my goodness, Pip, would you look at that? Once again, my video is out. That's, <laughs> this I is... mean, um, yeah, <laughs> I'm happy to keep going to see if it fixes, but what do you want to do? Why don't we do your segment, because you're going to be talking anyway, and then maybe if my video doesn't come back by the time that your segment finishes, we will do an ad break and then come back. Sounds good. Sounds good. But Pip, today I hear that you're going to share with us Pip's tips for evangelism. That's it. That's it. Um, Let me dive into it. Um, So, here are my top tips for evangelism. Um, Now... When we talk about evangelism, I feel like there's a spectrum of emotions that people have when they hear evangelism. Um, on one end of the spectrum, you have some people who are really down on evangelism and they and they say, you know, churches are too pushy. Uh, church, you know, our goal as Christians shouldn't be to just try to convert people just for the sake of um, growing numerically. That's not the right way to think about Christianity or the role of the church. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, you have people who are super, super eager about evangelism. And so they want church to be all about trying to convert non-Christians into Christianity. And then in the middle, you've got people who might be apathetic and they don't really care that much about evangelism. You might have people who are just discouraged because they think, I'm not that good at talking to people about serious things. That's just not a 
part of who I am and so they might be discouraged when it comes up. Um, and then you might have people who are optimistic about evangelism. They get, they get the point of it. They know that it's important. It's not the be-all and end-all of the Christian life, but it is an important part of the Christian life. Um, and so they're, they're eager to hear more. And I think it's to those people, those people who are optimistic about evangelism and see themselves as potential evangelists that uh, I want to share some tips with. So the tip number one would be to pray. I think all too often um, in my own journey as a Christian, I've tried to argue people into uh, believing the Bible is true, it's historically reliable, there's a strong case that God exists, all that sort of thing. But what I've neglected often is to actually pray for the people who I'm talking to. And so a verse that comes to mind is John chapter 6, verse 44, where Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. So salvation is 100% a work of God. God is sovereign. God is sovereign in evangelism. Um, a great book to read on the relationship between evangelism and God's sovereignty is Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God by J.I. Packer. That's a very helpful book in thinking about uh, how it all works there. Um, but what I'd encourage people to do is to write down a list of people that you know, not not all your Facebook friends, write down a list of people that you actually come into contact with um, every week. Uh, that might be a list of hundreds and hundreds of people, but it's good. Write, write a list of hundreds of hundreds of people and think, who could I start to pray for regularly, maybe even daily, um, that God might draw them to himself? So that's tip number one. Tip number two would be prepare. So a verse that comes to mind uh, is um, 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, um, verse 15, that says, uh, Revere Christ in your hearts as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Um and so what I would say is uh, a very helpful thing to do if you're, trying, if you're trying to improve in this area of evangelism is to write a list of questions that you think people would have about your faith. Logical questions about Christianity, uh, things like, how do you know the Bible's re- historically reliable? How did the Bible come together? Why, do, why are there 66 books in the Bible? How can you have confidence that that is the Word of God? Uh, what's the extra biblical evidence that Jesus was a real person and he died and he rose, as the Bible claims? Um, what, what's the deal with Christian moral positions on the hot topics of today? Um, write a list of questions that you think people might have if you ever got into a serious conversation about Christianity. And then start to go through them one by one and think, okay, how would I answer this? So you're writing questions and you're writing answers. And um, what that'll do is it actually challenge you and your faith and force you to go and uh, research and read and actually grow in your own faith as you prepare to give an answer uh, for the hope that you have. So that's an mm. uh, important step. So we've got uh, pray, we've got prepare. Yeah, the third tip would be progress. Um, and this is kind of just saying, um, you know, don't ever feel like you've arrived as a Christian at a point where you know you, you've reached the most growth you can ever get and uh, your job now is to simply just tell people about Jesus. 
to evangelize is uh, with words is a part of the Christian life, I believe. Um, but it's not the only thing that Christians are called to do. And in fact, what you see in the New Testament is as people uh, progress in their Christian life um, and they progress in things like financial generosity and things like genuine love and care for the poor, um, in practical acts of service, in gathering together, in songs of worship, in, in, in the worship community, um, living a sincere Christian life, that actually draws people in. So the Christian life is not simply missional, going out and telling. It's also supposed to be attractional, drawing people in by uh, the witness of a, of a sincere uh, life of faith. So a verse that comes to mind is um, 1 Peter chapter 2. Um, and I want to read from verse 13. Uh, no, sorry, actually verse 11. It says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So the word pagans there is a bit of an old word. We probably wouldn't use that to describe non-Christians in our society today, um, at least not comfortably. But but it, the point remains... Um, we, we should strive as Christians to live such good lives that people, even if they accuse us of doing wrong or, or slander our beliefs, um, in the end we'll see, man, uh, they lived a faithful, sincere life uh, of seeking to love God and love others. Mm. And that's a powerful witness. And so progress. Keep progressing in living your Christian life and growing in godliness and growing in faithfulness in all the varied aspects of Jesus' commands for us. And that is a powerful witness to the world around us. Mm. Um, so there's so pray, yeah. prepare, progress, three tips. Yeah, that's it. So pray, prepare, progress. They're probably uh, top three tips that came to mind this week. Two more that I'd quickly add on as bonus tips. Yes, hello, bonus tips. Um, uh, two other P words, patience and praise. So the first one is be patient in evangelism. Um, some of the best evangelistic conversations I've had were with people that I knew for uh, 10 years. And they knew I was a Christian that whole time. But after 10 years, we had a serious conversation about it. So one guy I got to read the Gospel of Luke with during last lockdown. Uh, we had known each other since I was in year seven and he was like five years older than me. And it, and it was a long, long friendship and we're still friends, but it was only after a long time where it was actually contextually like made sense for us to go, okay, uh, let's read the Bible together. He's a non-Christian, still non-Christian, mm. um, but he read through the Gospel of Luke and we also yeah. read, we read through um, Acts as well. And um, yeah, just recently another friend of mine who I haven't talked to for years after high school, we got back in touch, we started sending each other memes and stuff like that. Um, and he asked what I was doing, and I shared, yeah, I'm still a Christian, I'm, do I'm doing ministry, Bible college, that sort of thing. And so he started to ask questions, and um, now we're Zooming each other and talking about Christianity, which is great. So patience, big one. It, it can take decades to uh, get the right context to have a conversation with someone mm. that involves deep 
reading the Bible and things like that. Mm. And the last one, praise. So the first one's pray, and the last one's praise. I think we've got to frame evangelism um, in this way. So um, evangelism ultimately is a, is a work of God bringing people to faith. Um, changing hearts and minds is a work of God. Um, and so when we see the fruit of evangelism, whether that's our own evangelism or that of our church or someone else, uh, we should constantly be giving God thanks for the change that we see in other people's lives. Um, whether that's someone becoming a Christian or even someone just like taking steps in that direction, asking questions, we can constantly be giving God thanks for the progress um, that we see in other people as well. So five tips. Pray, prepare, uh, progress, patience, and praise would be my five evangelism tips. Love it. Oh, thanks very much, Pip. They're very, very helpful there. And on the patience one, I also feel, if you don't mind me, just adding something to it as well. It's it's patience. It's purposeful patience, isn't it? Because mm. you could have patience and just never, ever think about bringing stuff up later. But what you did there with a friend, you just, you re- reconnected, you're just chatting and you had an opportunity and you've taken it purposefully. So mm. yeah, nice. Oh, really, really helpful. Thanks so much for preparing that. Um, and I, it looks like my video's back. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it. That's it. It's, it's a Christmas it's God's way. That's right. It's a Christmas, it's a Festivus miracle. <laughs> <laughs> it's God's way of saying we just need to focus on your face while you were doing <laughs> Your, your evangelism tips. All right. Well, I want to hear, Pip, what have you been reading in the Bible? Or should I go first? Should I share what I've been reading in the Bible Yeah, you first? go for it, James. What have you been reading in the Bible this week? Yes. Yeah, so I've continued on in John's Gospel, and I'm continuing to read. Now, last week, I said that I would come back this week with the seven signs from John's Gospel. And so I've done that now, and cool. I have some uh, a really interesting theory that I want to throw out there. So here are the seven signs, as I understand it, throughout John's Gospel. The first sign is Jesus turning the water into wine, and you see that in John chapter 2. The second sign is Jesus healing uh, a man's son, and you see that at the end of John chapter 4. The third sign is Jesus healing a man who couldn't walk, a lame man, and you see that in John chapter 5. The fourth sign is Jesus feeding the 5,000. See that in John chapter 6. The fifth sign is Jesus walking on water. See that in John chapter 6. The sixth sign is Jesus healing a man who was born blind. You see that in John chapter 9. And then the seventh sign is raising Lazarus from the dead. And you see that in John chapter 11. So you've got these seven signs. Now, last week I said, I think that, the death and resurrection of Jesus might be the seventh sign. But it isn't. Out of these, we have these seven already. You might say that the death and resurrection of Jesus is the an eighth sign. Now, why is that significant, Pip? Why, why, why might you think eighth might be significant? Well, I, I don't know about eight, but I thought you were about to make some kind of connection between the seven days of creation and the seven signs. But obviously, that's I don't think that's where you're heading. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's a similar line of what I'm about to Okay, about well, you tell do. me, what's the significance of eight? So seven is one week, right? If you think about seven days, it's one week. The If you had eight days, it would be the start of a new week. Oh, a new era. 
So you've got seven signs before Jesus' death and resurrection. Mm. And his death and resurrection you might see as an eighth sign, which is a symbol of a new week or a new era or a new period of time. Mm, A new eon. Yes, that's it. So worth saying that that's a theory. It's not, you know... It's, it's not that John's gospel explicitly... Sh- Although I think that there are ways in which you could read it um, to, to see that sort of thing coming through because you've got the first seven signs are Jesus showing his glory. And then in John 13, you've got Jesus saying his hour of glory had come. And then his glory is involves his death and resurrection and implicitly his ascension as well. And so, yeah, I, I feel that very clearly... John is telling us that his death, resurrection, and ascension are another sign of his glory. Mm. The eighth sign. That's very interesting. That's very interesting. Have you ever heard that before? I have lots of questions about this. But, um, (laughs) I mean, yeah, I mean, one question would be, do the, from memory, and it's okay if you don't remember, but do the signs occur on particular festival days and seasons and stuff like that? Um, not always. Okay. So the festival stuff, um, let me think. There's a bunch of discourses that occur during festivals. Uh, John 7, for example. John 9 is happening on the Sabbath. But no, I don't think that they align with festivals. Okay. 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 Because, yes, I'm just... Mm, mm. What's What's going through your head? Well, uh, you're in Leviticus through... right now, aren't you? You're in Leviticus. I'm in I'm in Numbers now, actually. Oh, Numbers, um, right? But um, yeah, I'm just thinking like, it seems okay. So it seems to me that there is throughout the Bible there seems to be this polemic in uh, lots of the numbers that that you see. So the seven days of creation, uh, I think a big part of the creation narrative is polemic against the other creation narratives of the ancient Near East. I think, you know, there's a theory that the ten plagues are kind of a polemic against the ten, the you know, ten of the Egyptian gods. Um, even the ten commandments and uh, a lot of the festival practices seem to be, um, you know, in their imagery, uh, an opposing stance to the practices of other cultures. Mm-hmm. And when Jesus comes on the scene, it seems that he's um, he's there's a polemic against the Jewish people and how they've interpreted God's revealed will. And it's like, I, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I am the bread of life. So you think, uh, you know, I don't know if that relates to the f- um, festival of, uh, of the harvest or, um, uh, you know, and the Passover, obviously. I mm. am... The past, I am the lamb. I am the Passover um, lamb, the sacrament, you know. And so, yeah, I do wonder if there is any other connections to draw between those Jewish practices that became ritual, like just became bland rituals for a lot of people, even the leaders. And Jesus is kind of saying, no, this is what it's about. It's actually about me. Mm. Um, I wonder if there's any, if there's more there. Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting. I I had not given much thought to that. And just for our listeners, when you say polemical, 
You mean something I that's... To be honest, I don't really know what I mean, to be honest, because <laughs> it's a word that you just throw out there, isn't it? But what I what I mean is it's an, you know, it's an argument against... It's, it's in opposition to something else. So, yes. um, you know, uh, you know, uh, what's a good example? Augustine's confessions uh, are both pastoral. Caring for God's people, wanting to God's build them people, up. And yeah. polemic, you know, trying to kind of um, say, trying to prove other people wrong in their, in their views about uh, mm. what's what. So, you know... Um, and and so is the god like really the gospel is as well. It's mm, uh, yes. It's for God's people, but it's also against the wisdom of the world. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, no, I've really really enjoyed continuing to read in John's gospel. Thanks for suggesting that I read it next a few weeks ago, and um, I should be done with it this week and I'll move nice. on to another New Testament book. Just in my Old Testament reading, I'm up to Malachi. Um, so yeah, that's going well. That's it for me. What about you, Pip? What have you been reading this week? You say you're up to numbers? Yes. So I'm up to uh, numbers and I've been reading through. Um, now, there's lots of, there's lots of things I, I could share from numbers. Um, let me share from... Um, yeah, okay. I want to share from uh, chapter 11. So Numbers chapter 11. Oh, actually, you know what? No, Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 to 27. Mm -hmm. It's just a very interesting little bit in Numbers where God actually gives um, Aaron and his sons... Some liturgy, I think, is the right word for it. Maybe there's a different word for it. But I think it's liturgy. And I know that lots of different people have different opinions about liturgy in worship and liturgy in the community of faith and what, what, what its role is. Um, repeated words, words that um, come to define something, words that are repeated and known and, and create tradition and culture within your group. Um, but here it is. Numbers chapter 6 from verse 22 to 27 says, The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. So, yeah, it's just an interesting bit in Numbers where you get God saying, actually, there are, per- there are particular words that I'd like you to use as you bless the Israelites. And so, I mean, the way that I see this is like, you know, God is giving um, them words to help form their corporate identity as the people of God. Mm. Words are important. The words that are repeated, the words that are said often are important and um you know we could debate whether churches should prescribe certain words to say in church services and and liturgical elements you know repeated words things like that um but it seems like in ancient israel um it was the case that god wanted certain words to be said at at certain occasions and in certain ways and i just thought this was interesting um 
And yeah, do you have any any thoughts on this? And is this even the right? To, is this even in the realm of liturgy, or am I misusing that word? I think that uh, first time I ever heard these words was not by reading them in numbers. I was at a church service and they ended the service with these words. Mm. So some church services have what they call a benediction, a good word at the end. Uh, and this was the benediction, right? The Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine on you, be gracious to you, turn his face toward you and give you uh, peace. So it was a good word that was given a benediction. And then there was a doxology where we said something or sang something at the end. Um, a, a word of praise uh, to God. And so it it was used liturgically uh, in the sense of it was used in our gathered worship together. Um, so at the very least, it's used liturgically, isn't it? It's mm. used uh, for, for our uh, in-Sunday services, for example. So I think it is appropriate. Uh, one of the things that is worth seeing is that this sort of hope of being able to to see the face of God, to have his face turned toward you. It speaks to a broader theme in the Bible of hope, mm. of being in God's presence and seeing him face to face, which you see throughout the rest of, of the Bible. Um, so I think that it, it is a very significant blessing that's given here. Um, yeah, this, this priestly blessing. Mm. And it's beautiful. Like uh, there's, a, there's a great kind of... Um, parallel, you know, you have the Lord and you, mm. and so it's it's impressing on people what what you know what do you want God uh, to to I guess how do you want God to reveal Himself? Do you want do you want mercy? Do you want ju- justice? Do you want um, and it's the priest saying, you know, the Lord bless you, keep you shine on you, be gracious to you, turn his mm. face toward you, give you peace. Yes. Um, and I think there's, you know, as Christians, as any any, any kind of faith, um, there are moments of doubt. we like, does God really treat me this way? Does God really uh, want to be kind to me? You know, is God really loving? Um, and so, yeah, this this blessing is a, is a reminder that actually, yeah, God does, yeah. Yeah, no, that's really, really great. Thanks for sharing that, Pip. Yeah, no worries. It's time for us to play Guess Who? 20 questions. This week, you're guessing. I've got a character for you. Actually, I have two characters. You can pick normal mode or hard mode. Let's go hard. We're past normal. All right, let's do it. Hard mode. 20 questions. Listeners, you can play along at home. Bible character. Pip, what's going to be your first question? Does this person's name appear in the Old Testament? Yes. Does this person's name appear in the New Testament? Yes. Does this person appear alive in the Old Testament? Yes. Does this person appear alive in the New Testament? No. Ooh. Ooh, okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Um, is this person a male? Yes. Um, is this person, uh, alive after David's death? No. Sorry, Mm. I lost count. We're on six Six. questions. All right. 14 Um, more to go. Uh, is this person alive during David 
David's life at all? I don't know. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. Hmm, hmm. Okay. I don't know. Can I say, I don't know, but he could be. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, is this person um, deemed or described as faithful? Do you get good vibes about this person? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Oh, all right. Uh, let me put it this way. We have no reason to think otherwise. Okay. Um, is there a name of the... Is there a book of the Bible named after this person? No. Okay. Um, hmm. Okay. Uh, does this person appear in the book of... Uh, in either of the Samuels, one or two Samuel. One of the benefits about doing this on Zoom is that I can quickly flip and try and take a look. Just um, type it into Bible Gateway. You get the, the automatic kind of... I, I should have, yeah. That's okay. That's all right. Yeah, I... I I'm trying to avoid that uh, Bible gateway, but so your question was: Does this person appear in either of the Samuels? Yes. Okay. Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. Nine questions. Eleven more to go. Um, does this person have any leadership role? I don't think so. Okay. All right. All right. And you mean you know like king, priest, yeah, prophet? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. No, I don't think so. Okay. Interesting. Um, hmm, okay. Is that 10 questions? Yes, yes, it is. 10 more to go. Um, oh, this is tough. This is tough. Is this person a prophet? Now, are you sure you want to ask that? Because your previous question was, does this person have any leadership role? Oh, yeah, but sometimes, you know, you don't, uh... <laughs> no. <laughs> um, is this person um, an Israelite? Yes. Uh, is this person... Does this person fight at all? I don't know. Okay. It's a subtle one. Um, is this person... Related to someone in leadership? Yes. Ooh. Ooh, okay. Um, is this person someone's... Oh, no, that's too obvious a question, isn't it? Um, okay, possibly live during David. Um, yeah, look. Okay. What's he missing, listeners? What's he missing? I can't hear. No. I can't hear. If you're trying to whisper something to me, I can't hear. I'm whispering to the listeners. Oh, okay, righto. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, okay. Holy dooly. Um Is this person a young do we is this person a young person? Do we get that impression? So you mean the first time we're introduced to them? 
Yeah. Because at some point, everyone was young, right? Yeah, that's 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 a good point. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean like I mean like in the story, is this person described as a young a younger sort of person? Uh, I don't know how to answer that okay, question. That's, okay. that's a it, it's but a, that's a bit yeah. of a clue as well. Yeah. Okay. 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 Um, I don't think I'm gonna get this, so I'm just gonna guess. And I don't think I'm gonna guess correctly. Um, is this Jonathan? No. Okay. But you've got five more questions. <laughs> Don't you? Uh, uh, yeah, I feel like we should have a rule that when you guess the name, that's kind of it. But yeah, um, I think we should do that. I, I agree with that. Yeah. But, so, but, but, but I'm, I'm happy but, to surrender my last five. I don't think right. we get it. What is, who is it? It's Obed, um, David's grandfather. Oh, okay, Obed. So I, I've just been looking. I don't see a story with him. I might be wrong, but I know that he shows up in Ruth, right? Because Boaz and Ruth, their, their son's name is Obed. Yes. Then Obed's son is Jesse, and then Jesse's son is David. Yes. And so when you said, is he in 1 and 2 Samuel, I went to when David's introduced, and I don't think I can see Obed here. Yes, he's in Ruth. Um, Yep. Comes up in Ruth chapter 4. And comes up in 1 Chronicles. Oh, yeah. Um, he's in the genealogy in Luke, and in Matthew. That's right. That's right. Um, there you go. That was just that was good. I like that level of hard. That's you um, do. It's quite. That was quite hard. I don't think I've <laughs> ever gotten Obed, but um, no, that was good. I'm 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 glad about that. That's good. Ah, nice. Well, listeners, we hope you had fun with that as well. And why not read Ruth this week if you're wondering what book of the Bible. You can read, and here's a here's a pro tip of reading that last bit of Ruth. Count how many names are in that genealogy, and then count where Boaz is found. Pro tip Ooh. for reading that genealogy at the end of Ruth. Anyway, yeah, there you go. Um, Pip, what's your week look like this week? Uh, do you have a bit of a an off week for research? Is that, is that what this week is for college? Yeah. So this this past week has been kind of like a holiday, they call it a holiday, but because of lockdown, everyone just sort of treats it like a catch-up research and, a, and but also kind of light week as well. So mm-hmm. it's been nice. Um, I got a, a Hebrew reader's Bible, arrived in the mail today, I ordered one, because um, mm-hmm. I think I'm kind of getting to the point where maybe I could like sit down with it and, you know, vibe around a bit, <laughs> vibe around Genesis 1 to 3, mainly and, and nice. see what's what so i'm looking forward to that um yeah yeah um and then yeah this this coming week um not uh, back to college and and normal really um i watched uh, a movie this week with jake gyllenhaal last night i watched a movie called everest have you ever seen everest no i haven't is this is this relatively recent no, I think it's like 2010 or something like that, 2015. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. it's a good movie. Decent. If you're there a Jake you Gyllenhaal fan, fan, I highly recommend it. Um, the last Jake Gyllenhaal film I watched was Spider-Man Far From Home. Oh, sorry. No, it wasn't a Far From uh, Was it Far From Home? Yeah, that's right. Far From Home, the second one. But he's Mysterio. So that's the last Jake Gyllenhaal film I watched. There you go. There are plenty of good ones out there. Um, yes, that's right. That's yeah. right. What about you, James? What have you got on? Well, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
I have been playing a lot of Hearthstone. Did you ever play Hearthstone, the video game? Can't say I did. Hearthstone is a card game, and I have been... Every day they put out a daily challenge, and so I, I play for a bit each day. And I used to play a few years ago. I've just rediscovered it recently. It's a lot of fun. There's a bit of maths involved, a bit of logic with card... I, I do like card games, and so I've been spending a bunch of time playing Hearthstone. Uh, Viv's been working on a college assignment. She should finish it tonight, and uh, we'll probably watch some TV together as well. So that's what I've been up to recently, nice. at least. And uh, tomorrow night at uh, church, I'm running a stretch night on rest. And so I did one last week on work. And so tomorrow, yeah, we'll be on rest. And so I'm just going to spend a bit of time now working on that. How did the last, how did the work one go? Yeah, it went well, thank you. It was, uh, I had to narrow the focus, obviously, um, you know, Zoom, we don't have a huge amount of time. I wanted to keep it quite focused and practical as well. So I developed sort of a, a theology of work from the book of Ephesians. Uh, we looked at six passages and I was trying to help us think about work as a whole. And one of the first things I needed to do was to distinguish between work that you are paid for, i.e. your job, and work um, as in activity in and with God's creation. Mm. And so, yeah, I, I appreciated the experience to go through that and then talk about it. We had 29 people come on, which is fantastic given, you know, it's a Saturday night and mm. we're on Zoom for an hour and a bit and, you know, a pretty deep topic. Um, but yeah, I just got a bunch of people messaging me afterwards saying that they found it very helpful and very applicable and... Um, very relevant to them right now. So yeah. I hope that'll be the case for tomorrow night as well. That's great. Awesome. Nice. Great. Well, folks, I think that'll do it for us for another week of The Bible Boys. Thank you so much for participating and interacting. Let us know if you have any questions or if you have any spot segment requests. You can email us at thebibleboys with a Z at gmail.com. That's right. Well, folks, that's it for this week. Pip, why don't you sign us out? I uh, hope you all have a good week. Um, let's keep praying that lockdown might be lifted soon and we can start gathering together more fully. That would be awesome. Uh, for now, goodbye. See you next time.